Hey, good morning to you and a happy Wednesday. It's Bruce, Judy, and Cheese. I don't want to speak for anybody else, but there was a sigh of relief yesterday afternoon <laughs> as the verdict was read in the Chauvin trial. This is what it sounded like as the judge read the jury's findings. I think that uh, a lot of people felt a, a, a bit of a sense of relief, even if you aren't invested in this specific case. I mean, the fact that we had the National Guard ready to deploy in Chicago lets you know the level it had gotten to, you know, for a right. lot of folks that they were genuinely concerned about what could happen. Well, Thankfully, none of that did. And I think a lot of people were concerned that justice wouldn't be served. That we've seen in the past where we think, you know, this is an open and shut case, and that's not the case in the end. So I think a lot of people were just concerned about that. And, and um, you know, many people think this, of course, was the right verdict on all counts. And that was, the, I think, Pretty the high bar. I was surprised. I thought that the, knowing what I know about the case, and I did not sit on the jury for that three and a half weeks or whatever. The second degree seemed like a like the one I would have struggled with. I hmm. probably was okay with the other two. They and apparently they didn't struggle at all. They didn't they, struggle in the slightest. They did, d deliberated uh, very eleven, 11 time, hours yeah. total. I mean, and to that me, included lunch. Yeah, the, uh, the yeah, video. You know. The video was. What else, what can you say? You watch the video, and every one of those counts. Well, you you say guilty that, was the accurate. Plenty of other videos. That's out what there I mean. Where but because I think that matter. that was the injustice part. Yeah. That was the part where people were saying, "Oh Which my is gosh!" Why I was like, mm, you know, yeah, just no. because there's a video, like this is, I've seen that before. Yeah, this is more of a defining case. I just, really don't you get that feeling that this might be the one that changes things. So what does it change, Judy? Well, it's only been a day, so. Oh, and before, uh, I, but I, this is the one where, you know, uh, the the blue line was broken. That's a big, big deal. Almost. Well, other police officers. I think they testified. ran out of police officers in the Minneapolis Police Department to testify right, against right. them, including and his superiors, the chief, Right, and around the country. I think this was the one that said, all right, this might be a problem. This This can't go on, at least. This case shows us what can happen. And what we see with our own eyes, we can't allow it to continue. I don't disagree. I have a caveat. I hope that word means what I think it means. If there wasn't the video, it was a teenage girl. The, the video most of us have seen. Mm -hmm. Are we at this point? If, if the girl doesn't pull her cell phone out and videotape the entire interaction? Yeah, no. Are, are we at this? Okay, so but you see my point. I, I, I mean, good or bad, you know what I'm saying? I like without that independent video. There's enough reasonable doubt because this is hardly the only time it's happened. This is hardly the right, but maybe video... this isn't even the worst of of them. It's just the one where the video managed to capture enough of it. To show us what does happen. Yeah. As but I'm saying, the that video, video. But good thing we had the video, right? And I mean, again, it's the video shows us what many black people have been saying for a long time and what they've been, you know, demonstrating about for now the past year or so. 
so yeah, I mean, you're right. The video without the video, probably just business as usual. Right. But that video, he said, she said. That's you know, why I'm said. saying this could be what changes things. This could probably, for a lot of people, it didn't matter what, you know, um, second degree, what degree the charges mm-hmm. were, what, you know, the police saying, well, that's that was part of their training. It did, we all saw the video. It was wrong on every level. Family attorney Benjamin Crump said, I heard I heard a phrase and I thought it was interesting. This wasn't justice. This was accountability. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah. This is less about well justice, said. more about accountability. Mm-hmm. And and I would say that that the, what what I take from it again, not being personally invested in it. I admit that I'm just not, you know, I'm I'm watching it as an outside observer. That it gives me hope that at least in this case, justice was truly blind. That whether you are the lowest strata amongst us or the highest strata amongst us, that the law should apply equally. I've always argued police should be held to the same standard of law. They shouldn't be held to a lower standard than the criminal. I, I hold police at a higher standard, actually, than the criminal. But as far as the law is concerned, I'm willing to, I'm willing to e- even that out. I'm willing to zero it out. But I think too often we accept people in positions of power acting worse than our expectations of them. And it struck me, at least at this, the jury, and I mean, we have to give credit to the, the jury's the one that did this, wasn't going to hold Derek Chauvin to a lower standard than they would hold you or I. Right. Good. They, I don't believe anybody should. You yeah. Know? I mean, they there, and there again to- is what I think is that maybe a possible turning point mm. in America where we do. That's we're no longer just saying, well, you know, officers, they just that's what, how they were trained or that's what they get to do. Or, yeah, they're police officers. No. You have to, there, there's gotta be that humanity, right? We, the video just. I haven't, have you seen a lot of pushback? Like, even from police, I get a sense that. Well, even police recognize a bad apple. That law enforcement, by and large, by and large, understood, saw this, and said, okay, that, that's not us. Right. Oh, I hope every one of them did. That would be. <laughs> I don't know about every one of them, but I, I, I certainly think that for by and large, a majority of officers thought this brings a certain dishonor to the badge and the profession. Because, I, th- I you know, I, I, I think the most powerful part for the prosecution, if you took a look at this and you kind of boiled this case down to its its base. Officer Chauvin and police have the right to detain someone for probable cause. Legally. That ended about two minutes into, <laughs> you know, his, his, his knee on his neck. Everything past that? Was a crime, right. <laughs> you know. As I, I'll give them the first couple minutes. I'll give you the handcuff and 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 lay. I'll give you that for a fake twenty dollar bill. Which, but but at yeah. some point, it goes from technically they could I'm, have arrested I'm, him. I'm 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 detaining you to and I'm arresting you 
to I've gone well past that. Mm -hmm. They are detained. They are arrested. They are no longer a threat. And you continued. That's where, to me, like if you boil it down, that's where the crime committed. The crime wasn't all of it. The crime was about two minutes into the video. Yeah. What bothered me the most was just his look the whole time he had his knee and was, you know, Mm -hmm. was not getting up. Just the way his demeanor, that really bothered me the most. Just I'm not getting up by you people stand back. You know, you're causing a scene almost like defiant. You know, that that just really was the worst thing to me. We're going to talk to a variety of people today to understand a little bit more about this, including, uh, you know, some of our, our local community activists about how they reacted to it. This is not over, over, might be a way to put it. And the voice in the distance there, well, he's ABC News' Mark Remillard. Mark, first off, thank you so much for joining us over the past, uh, like, three-some-odd weeks. Yeah where we've been talking to you practically every day covering the Chauvin trial. I feel I'm going to miss you uh, to a certain level. But you can have me on. You can continue to have okay, me on. Okay, all right. Well, we might do that. Mark and I worked together in uh, in Arizona. But, nice. You know, I knew That's Mark right. when he was before he was a star. Just before saying. he was big time. Just huh? saying, before he was big time. So, Mark, um, a, a, a dramatic uh, conclusion to the, to the Chauvin trial. I realize we still have some sentencing in front of us. But can you give me a sense of what it was like? <laughs> what exactly, how did this go down uh, in Minneapolis, in and around? I saw lots of people out and about. What was the vibe you got? Yeah, so, you know, there was a lot of tension leading up to that verdict. Uh, you know, we got the word that a verdict had been reached about 2.30 local time. Uh, and after only 10 and a half hours of deliberation, I think it's, it was pretty clear that Clearly, the jurors, uh, all 12 of them, must have been of a pretty similar mind uh, going into, into those deliberations because it didn't take long. Some, you know, no, didn't seem likely that anybody needed some real convincing in this. But the big question is, if that's the case, if they're all of the same mind, the, the outstanding question is which way? Yeah. Are they all in the not guilty mind or are they all in the guilty mind? And so going down to the courthouse, uh, it, pretty quickly after it was announced the verdict had been reached, people started to gather, and that crowd just continued to swell, and there's a big lawn out front of the courthouse, and uh, it started to get filled up with people, and, uh, you know, there was a, a guy with a megaphone in the center, uh, you know, leading, uh, you know, his, his chants and things like that, and one of the things he said was, in about 10 minutes, you, you all are going to witness history, and uh, that just stuck out to me. Uh, because I think what we know in the aftermath of this and what we even heard from President Biden last night is, are the, is this discussion about how this is a starting point, uh, not an end point. And, and, you know, we can obviously talk more about the impact of this in, in the aftermath. But that verdict came down, second degree murder, the stiffest penalty or the stiffest charge that he faces, guilty. And the crowd just erupted and uh, continued cheering and chanting as each of those subsequent guilty verdicts came down and then after that it was a very festive atmosphere there was someone barbecuing uh, for a bit uh there was uh, yeah there was somebody brought down an entire like smoker thing and was like just preparing up food for people and one guy was running around with a, a bubble gun like just spraying you know shooting bubbles into the air like it was pretty festive and there was music playing and flags waving and and so you know what you would expect i think if get, getting the guilty verdict across the board. And I think so a lot of the tension was released after that guilty verdict came down. And I think there was great, much less concern about the possibility of, of violence or unrest 
come nightfall. And as far as I can tell, I haven't seen an update from the the Minnesota Authority um, Operation Safety Net, which is kind of their updating thing on um, these these demonstrations and what happens in Brooklyn Center and all these things. They, I haven't seen an update from them. So, you know, as far as I can tell, everything remained largely peaceful into the night. Yeah, and that was the case here as well. The streets of Chicago were pretty quiet. You know, I, it was odd to me, the celebration part. I get it. I just thought it just struck me as weird. But, you know, I, I mean, just there, to there were no winners. Right. To sell, right? right. I mean, it, it was, was bittersweet. Was right. Right. Yeah. But, Mark, I, I feel like this kind of could be a turning. This case could be a turning point. Do you yeah, feel I that? I think that that's, uh, you know, from the people I spoke with, that's uh, certainly the hope, you know, is, is that this is. And that's where I can harken back to what that guy was saying. In 10 minutes, you're about to witness history. Is, is it that turning point? I mean, you know, this case is not over. There's still more things to do. There's the sentencing. We also have three more officers that, are on tri- that will go on trial for aiding and abetting the charges that Derek Chauvin was found guilty of. But outside of this case, you know, I think it's the relief was that the, 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 the victory, quote-unquote, came for those demonstrators out there in the guilty verdict. But does this mark the starting point? Does this mark the change that many uh, of them want to see in policing in America and the relationship between police and black Americans? And I, and I think that there's a lot of different perspectives about how to go about changing these things. You know, there were plenty of people with signs that say defund the police, abolish the police. I mean, so there's views like that, but there's also... Uh, other policy views, and I think there's obviously time for conversation there, but you're hearing it at the very top of the country, the president and the vice president calling for change on this issue. So, again, I think the hope for many of the people that were out there yesterday is, uh, uh, you're right, Bruce, no one won here, but the guilty verdict was significant. It's a case that is potentially a landmark case. Many people believe this is a landmark case. question is, do we see that change in the wake of it? Mark, we appreciate all of your coverage of this. And, and I guess as we get near sentencing, we may be speaking with you again on this. So we really appreciate your time. He's ABC News' Mark Remillard on the reaction there in Minneapolis. People out there might be some of them listening right now mm-hmm. who don't drink coffee in the morning. I know, now I know what you're thinking. Come on, seriously. No, they don't drink coffee. Apparently, <laughs> there are people out there that get like, appropriate amounts of sleep they wake up bright-eyed bushy-tailed rip-roaring ready to go and tackle the day they're weirdos they're Come freaks yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. they're not they, normal humans let's just get that possibly cyborgs they have to be i find coffee to be an acquired taste i didn't i didn't I drink, drink coffee for the taste any more than you drink beer for the I taste. i do now i do i drink beer <laughs> I wasn't I, um, drinking it for the taste. Yeah. I do now. I didn't. I never drank coffee when I was younger. I, this, I'm kind of a newer coffee drinker in the last, you know, five, six, seven, eight years. Well, there is a new study out there from the people that do studies uh, that has come up with kind of the sweet spot, if you will. I don't know if you can have too much coffee. Yeah. I mean, is there such a thing? Yeah. You, you can? Can you overdose? Off the charge. And you can overdose on Joe. I don't care what they say. If I have coffee after, you know, 6.30, yeah, get it. I'm, I'm not the same way. Yeah. I can't drink coffee at night. No. For whatever reason. I think it impacts bodies differently. Yeah. I think some of it's psychosomatic, too. Like oh, I, yeah. I just think I'm... Yeah, I think that's it, because we did a survey recently that said you can... Technically. It does not affect you. Yeah, it them. does. Screw that. <laughs> Here's the number. You ready for this? 
about three cups of coffee a day. Right in the, th- in the in the three range is where you should be. Perfect. Yeah, that's well, three to five, right? Yeah, but I, you know, you you you're having. I, I drink big cups, so I, you know, <laughs> I, got the, I've got the carrying machine set at all. Yeah, and I was like, just keep coming out. I'm drinking a thirst buster full of of coffee. There I feel like a trucker sometimes. Like you bring in your sixty four <laughs> ouncer and fill it up. Have you seen them do that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I you know I travel a lot, so I'm at truck stops, and I literally will see truckers. With the, with the huge one. It's got I don't a big get it because it gets cold. It. It's got a top on it, yeah, I suppose. But still, it's, wow, you gotta maybe they coffee. drink it fast. Or they put it in the microwave that's in the back of their rig. The flip side of this is, and I'm looking at you, Cheese. <laughs> ah, you, were just, you were staring at me. I'm giving you the side eye. Yeah. I'm giving you the stink eye on this one. You're less of a, of a coffee guy and more of an energy drink guy. Definitely. What is that over there? Is that Red Bull? Got a Red Bull going. Is it the sugar? It's sugar-free, though, right? No. Oh, no. no. Sorry. Bother? I'm, 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 I don't know. I don't know why I offended you <laughs> with the idea of sugar. <laughs> is there sugar-free Red Bull? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to see the gum. Yeah. No, it's the dark blue. The light blue is the is the sugar free. Light okay. blue is the sugar free. This is the twelve ounce. Oh, that's ounce. the tall. That's the tall. Oh twelve ounce. It's the bigger one. The twelve ounce. It's not the little baby version. Little baby. That's like a shot. How At many, how five many o'clock in the morning. Come on. Is that your first? No. <sighs> well, okay. I wake up. Okay. I have I a bottle of caffeine pills was. right next to the bed. Bottle of caffeine, caffeine pills. pills. Yeah, I've never had a caffeine at, pill. You can get them at CVS. Just a caffeine. Got it. Just straight caffeine. Boom. Take one of those. It's, it's equal to one cup of coffee. Okay, so right off the bat, we got a up, caffeine pill in us. Right. Then I get ready for work. Start driving in. First Red Bull. Drink that Red Bull on the way in. When I get here, second Red Bull. And then that's it. But, but you My say heart is it. racing listening to you. But you say that's it. <laughs> I genuinely worry about you. There so is, that's it. You're done then. From the same people yeah. that do studies okay. found <laughs> that these drinks, too much of them can be genuinely bad for you. How about this? There was a 21-year-old, 21-year-old guy who said he drank multiple energy drinks. Mm-hmm. He drank up to four a day. Okay. Okay. 21 years old. Wasn't feeling well. Right? Yeah. He goes to the hospital. That was his first problem right there. Mm. <laughs> Self-diagnosis. Yeah, that, that's what killed him, Cheese, not the uh, energy He was in the early <laughs> stages of kidney failure. Ooh. They found out that in both of his kidneys, urine was unable to drain into the bladder. That's apparently a thing. Hmm. And that he was in need of emergency surgery. The only thing they could trace it to was the fact that he pounds Red Bulls all day long. I need you to be concerned. I need you to. Can we How get many you to cups trade of coffee one? is in a can of Red Bull? Do you that think? I don't know. Yeah, I don't do you know. mean amount of caffeine? Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, but it's got all that, that other stuff to? in it. Yeah, it's Gu- got guarine or something. Taurine. I don't even know. Taurine. There's a lot of eens yeah. in there. Yeah. I don't know. But I've been doing it for. <laughs> yeah, for how long? This when is did the, Red Bull come out? I was like one of the first early, like, people to ever drink a Red Bull. Like, this stuff's awesome. Yeah. Red Bull tastes horrific. It tastes horrific, but you, I'm acquired to it now. I love you it. know what? If you put vodka in it, it's not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes up, I've done that at it. one in the morning it's when a, I have to stay it's up. It's unclear if, if Cheese is doing that. I can't, I can't tell from here if there's vodka in that Red Bull. No, can. no, I would be slurring a lot more of it. <laughs> 
I just you might have to start weaning yourself. Hmm. I, People have been saying that for years, though. Yeah. You better drink water. But you sound like the, it hasn't killed me yet. (laughs) That is the argument. It hasn't killed me yet. I don't Mm. think you need all that. I just think you're used to it. You know, you just, I think it's a mental thing. You don't. No, I bet you his body's built up a tolerance to it. Oh, yeah. Don't you think that you're after a while? I mean, you can, you become dependent on something. I'm not saying you're addicted. If I don't drink one, like on a weekend, if I wake up and I don't have a Red Bull, I get a headache. Wait, you have it on the weekend, too? Just. For taste. What taste? The t- you just said it tastes awful. <laughs> but if I don't have one, yeah, what? Get that, okay, get sorry, you are addicted yeah, to it. Yeah. I, I would like to rescind right. my previous exactly. comment. You are, you are now caffeine. officially addicted to Red Bulls. Maybe just take a couple more caffeine pills and wean yourself and the off sugar. the Red Bull. It's the sugar it's also. It's the sugar, yeah. 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 And maybe yeah. get more sleep. That might help. Yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> I, okay. wish. I wish. All right. Hey. Don't worry. I still have time for our criminal of the day. Okay? It's I get, not me and my Red Bulls. Uh, <laughs> you're not there yet. Okay. okay? okay. Give yourself time. <laughs> uh, big shout out to uh, Joshua Carp of Oklahoma, who did something we've probably all wanted to do at some point in our lives. Steal a Doritos truck. Allegedly, oh. Mr. Carp stole the Doritos delivery truck as its driver was filling it up with gas. <laughs> he then led police on a slow, meandering Yet somehow tangy and delicious chase through the streets of <laughs> Oklahoma City. It's unclear how Joshua thought he was going to get away for very simple reasons that A, the truck is very slow, and B, it says Doritos in big letters all over it. The chase came to a merciful yet crunchy end when police shot out the front tire of the truck Ooh. because... It's Oklahoma, for God's sake. Yeah. That's what they do. So for stealing one of the most obvious and tasty vehicles possible, you, Joshua Carp of the Bruce St. James Show, criminal of the day, mm. all suspects described above should be considered innocent until found guilty in a court of law, no matter how crazy they are. We've all tasty. thought it. We've all thought oh, you yeah. seem like, no matter what it is, like if I saw a Nutella truck drive yes. by, I'd go, Oh, someday. Right. Taking the new telephone. Pulls over to get gas. You're like, hmm. I'm just going to follow that dude around. He gets out. I'm in. <laughs> Move it on. Yeah. Hey, good morning. Happy Wednesday. Bruce, Judy, and Cheese. And we are getting back to some hashtag old normal. Yeah. Right. We're, we're starting to see some signs as I, I like the, the image I get in my head again. The, the bear coming out of hibernation, coming out of the cave, looking to see what the weather's like, right? I'm ready to come on out. But my standard, is the pier open yet? And that is, I think, a lot of people where they're at. How about a week from Friday? Woo-wee! The answer is yes. Navy Pier's open, and the yes. world's back to normal. They call it a phased reopening. It's been closed uh-huh. for eight months. Yeah. And when I say closed, those of you who haven't come down here, I live next door. About a block. I say next door. And I've gone down there. Yeah, it's not just like clothes. No, no. I walk over. No, it's got like chain link fencing. We told you, just climb that over you, it. How hard is it? Right there, so you can't walk down. You you can walk up kind of to the edge if you want to swim. So if you if you wanted uh, to jump in the lake, you could swim down to like that first ladder, and then you could climb up on the pier. Right. You'd have to go through like the water reclamation district, which is pretty much like Fort Knox. Forget it, and get in that way. I chose not to do that. Just throwing it Good out choice. there. Yeah. Good choice. I mean, I it, I mean it was empty. No one was there. You walk around and really. Right. But we're finally going to see some sort of a phase reopen. We, there's, we know there's that new hotel there as well. Yeah. The Sable. Yeah. We talked Lyrica, to, the restaurant. We, yeah. we talked to the restaurant there. So if you, if you have. By the way, 70 restaurants and bars. 
Is that and, how many and, are other, there? and other businesses. Oh, Seventy. Insane, man. Yeah. Wow. In addition to the rides and the that have been completely closed for eight months, completely shut down. No us. Starting Friday. Ooh, I'm excited. You, wait till you see all the colors in the Ferris wheel at night. It's very cool. They said they're going to bring fireworks back. Ooh, even better. Oh, we are so going to Bruce's house. You know? Those fireworks are awesome. I think this is awesome. And, and, you know, it's those little things. We talked about this for um, St. Patrick's Day when they snuck up on us and... And dyed the river green. Yeah. Like it was a little thing. Can mm-hmm. we, it's a little bit, it's pouring crap in the water. Okay. It's a little thing. That made it but so it really, happy. It really kind of, it gave a lift. Oh yeah. I felt, I, re- I felt it. Oh yeah. When you see those fireworks. And when you see the, the, mm-hmm. the Ferris wheel spinning, I think it, there's a psychological lift that comes with that. Absolutely. Saying, you know what? Gosh darn it. We're getting back to what Chicago is. The essence of, of, of Chicago, when you start seeing those things. And we also know it's a huge tourist attraction. The number, the, number tourist one the number one tourist attraction, attraction. In, in Illinois. Illinois. Yeah. And Illinois is Navy Pier. Hmm? Wow. Yeah, you'll see why. It's, it's pretty impressive. There's going to be some hustle and bustle around me. Well, now, uh, okay, let's not get crazy. Okay, maybe not that. Not crazy. so much. <laughs> you will still have to wear a face mask and social distance. And the rides, the great thing, though, on the Ferris wheel, mm. I never wanted to get in that gondola with anyone else. But, of course, it's so big that if you and, you know, three of your kids were in there, they would put two more, you know, family Families, and two more yeah. kids. Now, no, only the same family. Ooh, nice. Oh, one family yeah, per so gondola. Yeah, so now I'm going to go yeah. exactly. So the way it should be, really. The way God intended it. That's right. <laughs> so one, now I'm very, one family very per gondola. <laughs> okay, let me just tell you, being afraid yeah. of heights, it was hard oh. for me to go on that the first time. Really? Yeah, but the first few rotations, and then I, I got used to it. It's I, you. It's a huge Ferris wheel. If you're afraid of heights, it's ooh. <laughs> no, yeah, no, but no. but the views are spectacular from up there. I can only imagine. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine. Um, some more possible. A semblance of normalcy? Sports returning. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say that. Sports have been there. Yeah. yeah. We just haven't been able to go. How would you like to go to a Bulls or a Blackhawks game this season? Yes, please. This season. That's pretty cool. Season. I'm all. When does this? When does the season end? Is it normal? Or? Basketball obviously ends before for uh, hockey season. But Mayor Lightfoot said the city has been in talks with both the Bulls and the Blackhawks about fans returning in some way, shape, or form shortly. But isn't there only like seven home Bulls games left? We are down to the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. But still. Who cares? If you can go one or two? Better than none. Yeah, definitely. And then it sets us up for Bears. Sets us up for foosball. And what will that look like? Because you got to believe that uh, the Bears are like, we... We need we need people in. Yeah. There. Well, and it's outside. It's it's right there, right off the bat. It's better, right? Yeah. So is baseball, right? We've had yeah, some baseball, fans back yeah. for that. Yeah, so. I think football will be okay. It's it was this inside the United Center thing that was a problem. And then we got to give a shout out to our friends over at the University of Illinois because they got a spring game. You know, they kind of do that that big spring thing and get everybody together, get fans. They're going to have fans back in the stands for. Their spring game also nice. setting themselves up for the upcoming season. 
and our our good friends over there at, at U of I, Coach uh, B. Coach B, he's outstanding. Yeah, he's a mo- master motivator for God's sake. Yeah, we talked to him once. I wanted to run through a wall for the guy. Right. <laughs> I want to join his team. <laughs> We're in. <laughs> yeah. Tell you what, okay, we can join the team. You can be the one that runs out on the field and gets the tea after the kickoff. Okay, nice. Ooh. I will do that. And I'll be the one that dumps the Gatorade over the head. How about that? Okay. I'm ready to be on the team, Coach. Put me in. I don't want to be in anything else other than that. You can run out there and pick up. Hey, the tea. I played football as a child. I think the game's changed a little. Yeah, flag. It was flag football, <laughs> but they've moved on no past the leather helmets. Me. Also. <laughs> we moved on. Helmets? We didn't wear helmets. Don't be ridiculous. You don't need no stinking helmets. Helmets? Yeah, that's the problem with it, the game today. They're yeah. all wearing you know, helmets. It was an all-girls team. What do you think happened? Got it. A lot of hair pulling. There's some hair pulling involved. Yeah. Broken well, you, nails. Did you kiss my boyfriend? And yeah, it was bad. Yeah. Clothes liner as she I comes was, around the you end. Know what? I was the quarterback, so I... I very rarely got touched, so that was good. Well, that's just that's, oh, that's Judy with the arms. Wow. Nice. Yeah, I know how to throw an arm. Yeah. That's what we're calling. We're just saying more about her offensive line. How you know, I really am trying to figure out. <laughs> I got a really good offensive line. <laughs> really good offensive line. Really big line. girls. Yeah. <laughs> the big girls. <laughs> big girls get in front of me. All the big girls. Uh, oh my god, husky. Husky girls, okay. Let's let's not let's the not husky. body shame them for guys. Yeah, corn fed the Midwest girls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, we were from the Chicago. Iowa. We were tough. It was not uh, it was not a pretty scene. Um, the the latest issue and and really something that we've seen out there has been what do we want to refer to it as vaccine hesitancy. We know that there are doses going unused. And we know that that part of it has been because of some of the side effects or fear of side effects. The Johnson and Johnson alone certainly didn't help it. We're going to talk to Dr. Bleasdale. Speaking of U of I, yeah, she's the head of the infectious disease department there. I figure she would know about yeah, these things like stuff. vaccines. We're talking to Dr. Bleasdale next on eight ninety WLS. It's the Bruce St. James Show right here on eight ninety WLS. You knew it had to happen. It's not going to be the last time, but we've had an outbreak, a uh, COVID outbreak at Naperville High School. Like, you again, it's going to happen, right? You would think. The, yes. It's impossible to think that we're never going to have these, um, these, these things crop up. So we have the issue at, at Naperville, um, uh, which was the name of that school again? Is, is it Hersey there? High? Is that the no, one no? Hersey's there? another one. Naperville. It's District Two Hundred Three. That's a huge mm. two hundred three. Yeah, seven hundred students have been quarantined now. Seven hundred wow. because they apparently came in close contact with someone who tested positive for COVID nineteen. This absolutely. This shows a bit of the issue that we're going to continue to have, which is, are we going to shut things down every time there's an outbreak? Is it even feasible? And aren't vaccines 
going to be the answer to this. Now, part of it is, in high schools, not everybody's over the age of 16. Yeah. So not everybody can even get, right? I mean, I'm trying to remember high school. You could be like 15, 14, 15 in high school. Yeah. Freshman. Oh, yeah. 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 And I mean, up to, what, 18 years old? I, I, I'll bet the majority, if not all of them, are not vaccinated yet. I mean, we still have people who are in these high-risk categories who haven't been vaccinated, so they're going to be obviously last yeah. on the list. Well, they have 25 positive at Naperville High, 25 students tested positive. Hmm. Was it a certain, was it like a the water polo team? Was you know, they just... don't, because they don't say who it is. Oh, that's true. That's true. But they're saying that the 25, you can imagine, working their way around the school, basically came into contact in some way, shape, or form with damn near everyone in the yeah, school. 700. Well, all mm. 700. And then they have to contract, contact Trace, and that takes time, and so it... Before you can do all that, you just, everyone's, you know, 700 people just don't come back until yeah. we can so now know if you were in close weeks. contact. Yeah. yeah. So we're back to this for two weeks. So you can see this like on again, off yeah. again, yeah. on again, off again. Well, I get an email about once every two weeks. Oh, really? U46 saying um, someone at your child's school has tested positive for COVID. We have notified those people mm-hmm. that were in close contact with him. If you get a separate email, that means your son or daughter. You're one of the ones that was yeah. in close contact. And But they don't shut anything down. No. They say the last time this person, because it could be a teacher, it could be you know a worker, or it could be a student, uh, uh, was on co- uh, campus, was so-and-so date. Is that so that you can make your own decisions? Like how comfortable you feel? You, yeah, if you feel comfortable still. or But I mean, I don't think there's 700 kids going back to school at my son's High yeah. school. Oh, wow. That's a lot of kids to go back. Seems yeah. like a lot. Naperville's huge. Is it? Yeah, and you wonder, are they all using different metrics again? Naperville says it's relying on the DuPage Health Department. So their requirements are 14-day quarantine for anyone in close contact with someone with the virus. Close contact defined as being within six feet of someone for 15 minutes or more during a 48-hour period. Oh, for God's sake. I mean, that's pretty, yes, yeah, that's pretty substantial. That's very specific. That yeah. seems like everyone, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, again, I'm not sure it's so much about the kids, the students, as it is about the employees, right? Mm, Teachers and staff. 94% of the staff in Naperville has been vaccinated, which means... They should be okay. Yeah. But which means there are not, not everyone's been vaccinated. Yeah, but we're never going to get to everyone. And I think we're finally coming to the realization. Welcome to reality. That not only are we not going to get to everyone, especially in the United States, we probably won't get to that magical herd immunity immunity number. Oh, good. I want to keep saying that. Herd immunity. (laughs) I just think of cows. I think we're about cows in a field. Yeah. Right now, about half of American adults have gotten at least one. About half. And we're at the point now where... If you want a shot, you can, can get probably one. probably get one, yeah. Yeah. So in the next couple of weeks, uh, and, and I saw some, you know. If that number doesn't shoot up. Right, well, and the, so they're saying within the next two to four weeks, literally everyone over the age of 16 can walk in and get a shot. Why are they saying that? Because... We now have a new problem. 
you remember the Judy problem? I'm online at 6 a.m. every day. I'm trying to get an appointment. They're all full. Yeah. You had people like driving to God Springfield to get a shot. You yeah. know, you know what I'm saying? Like it's the closest one I could find. People doing tourism to get theirs. People lying to get With theirs. The lying, get stealing, there, yeah. cheating. Yeah, right? it was bad. Now we have too many vaccines and then enough people signing up. We've gone the other direction now, where now the supply has exceeded demand, especially in rural areas and some big cities, according to the CDC. They said, wow, what a difference that two months can make. They're they're talking about, I mean, everywhere from Alaska to New Orleans to North Dakota to Mississippi, it it doesn't matter where they have the slots, you, you know, for and just. People they, aren't showing up. It's not that not everyone's been vaccinated. No. It's that they're just not Everyone coming in. who wants to has been vaccinated. Right. Yeah. And so they have enough doses for quote unquote everyone, but everyone doesn't want the shot. Yeah. Now, what we could be seeing, you know, people early on said they were hesitant. They were saying, eh, I'm going to let everyone else get that shot first. Okay. I think that's where we're at now. So the people who were hesitant, just that they wanted to wait until everyone else had it to see, you know, the rea- and we saw with Johnson & Johnson, we did have some problems, but maybe those people now will be going back or just going for the first time and getting their, their shot because now is the time where pretty much 50%, you know, how many more people can you wait for? So here, when you take a look at the actual numbers, the CDC says that roughly 75% of the doses are being used. of doses that states receive, they are administering. 25% are going unused. Mm. That's either the slots, the signups, the whatever it might be, the people who don't show up or the people that, you know, hey, we've got 100 slots today and only 75 people showed up and signed up for them. So what happens when we never get to herd immunity? Right. But like my 28-year-old, he's getting his shot today. Okay. Yeah, first, first or second? First. First. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and he's, he works at a grocery store. He's, but he you know, got, he... He could have gotten one a not, long time ago. No, yeah. no, no. And no? He's, he's in Georgia. And oh, okay. no, he okay. just, he just waited his turn. He waited and now, you know, and he wasn't in any rush because he's young and healthy and, you know... Gonna live forever. Gonna live forever, Right. Um, so that's what I'm saying. Hopefully that'll be another big chunk of people. Mm-hmm. The ones who just the younger people who waited and now are going in and don't feel the need like I did to, you well, know, it sounds like you need a different lie, sales- cheat and steal to get one. You need a different sales pitch. Like, because we're in a different phase, right? right. What's yeah. the pitch? Well, but my point is, this is not about the, the vulnerable, the, the frontline workers, uh, pre-existing health conditions. You need to s- the people who aren't showing up or aren't signing up, you need to sell them on something different. Because yeah, here's the that's pitch. Not the, right, here's the pitch. You want to get back to normal? Get your shot because... You say that, but I, I think in a lot of those places, they're already back to normal and they didn't get the shot. So they don't care. Oh, that is a problem. But yes. you see what I'm saying? Because now we were saying, we got our shot. There's going to come a time. It's coming. It's Maybe we're there where we're going to say... Sorry, I got my shot. You don't want yours? That's fine. I'm not going to wear my, you know, I'm not going to worry. I think those people are but, okay with that. But now there's been a little bit of a change in that, Ooh, right? They're yeah. saying, we don't really know. We're hoping we're even one 
vaccination's great. It seems to be working against the variants. Mm -hmm. But if we have a huge percent of people who don't get the shot and who are still fostering... 20, 25%. Yeah, and who are still getting sick and passing it around... We don't know, even though but we're vaccinated. just passing around to each other? No, that's what we don't know. Because yeah. if we could Because I'm okay if they just pass yeah, around to each exactly. other. Exactly. Yeah. That's I'm what like, I oh, say, that's too. That's a decision you made. Right. Okay. And if you guys want to go live on an island, that would even be better. <laughs> but I get that. But COVID that's island. not really what we're hearing. We're hearing that if they... If there's too big of a percent of people who don't get the vaccine, it's going to eventually be bad for everyone again. But and you, but, but even even... The experts are saying we're never getting to that herd immunity. I it's know. just not going to happen. So then now it's worrisome. So we need, we need to have a policy plan and a mindset for, hey, some people just aren't going to make it. Let's here's, stop shutting things down because of but it. But here's what's going to happen. Here's going to be the key. I'm ready. Bruce, You let's say you're the one who's not going to get it. You're just not going to get that vaccine. Okay. Probably not going to be able to fly. Maybe. You might not yeah. be able to go to a restaurant again. Yeah. You need some new underwear. Can't travel, yeah. New underwear. Good luck. You're going to order it online. You're not going to Oh, gonna be okay. Able to, I was yeah. going to say, dear not God, how, try the, it on, how am I going to be out of underwear? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I understood right the restaurants I, in the flying. Right when I said underwear to you, a man, I was like, oh, he doesn't need new underwear. I was going to say. He'll just wear his strap if he exactly. has to. Exactly. I've got the elastic so, you know band. What I'm saying? What that's, I think that's what's mm. going to be the key. People are going to be like, oh, you know, I want to fly. I want to go to a hotel. Or I'll just go live in a state where they don't care. Right. I think, though. Businesses are going to care, yeah. right? Yeah, if- we'll see. The three of us have all been fully, fully vaccinated. Yeah. I was going to say doubly because uh, we got both shots. You, you know what I mean? But we've been fully vaccinated. Judy is the only one that had anything that I would consider a side effect where you felt flu-like for... One day. One day. Flu-like symptoms, flu-like right? symptoms, right. Came and went perfect. Cheese and I, nothing. Nothing. Soreness Sore in the arm. arm. That's about right? it. Where, yeah. they, where, they put, where they put the shot in. Well, and the, the tears. From the shot itself. Right. But that's another. Speak for yourself. (laughs) I just turned my head and coughed. I asked for a lollipop and she gave me a coupon to Walgreens instead. Oh, you did get that $5 coupon, coupon. right? Yeah. She goes, here's your lollipop. (laughs) She was wonderful. She was absolutely wonderful. Uh, But joining us right now is Dr. Susan Bleasdale, University of Illinois infectious disease expert. Dr. Bleasdale, can you understand the concern that people have about the vaccine and 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 some of the objections folks might be having as we try to get more people vaccinated. You must be hearing these. I am, and and thanks for having me on again because I think it's important to keep talking about this and to do what what the three of you just did sh- share that you got vaccinated and you're doing fine, and even talking about those flu-like symptoms. That's actually expected. It's not really a side effect to the vaccine in that. You know, when you get the vaccine, you want your immune system to be able to to know and develop a defense against the COVID-19 virus. And so when you get the vaccine, your body is figuring out using um, the vaccine that it's it's developing its strategic plan. And so oh. it, it turns on time briefly. And that really is just your immune system developing that strategy. And so it's, it is expected that because the vaccines are so effective that, that people can have some of those flu-like symptoms in a day or two afterwards. It doesn't persist, and it's really 
just a, a normal response to a vaccine. Not everybody has it. And I think sometimes I get questions when people don't have any reaction, they're like, am I immune? But you're still immune. But, but for some people, when their immune system turns on, they'll have some of those kind of achy feeling. You might feel tired for a day and you even might have a little bit of a fever, but it goes away in 24 to 48 hours after you get the vaccine and then you are protected. And I think the really important thing to remember is the COVID-19 infection can make you really sick and it's going to make you sick for longer than a day or two and that there are people that end up in the hospital for months and have persistent symptoms for months and months afterwards. And so this is really important to highlight that, that you, you get a vaccine, you're, you may feel tired, you may feel fatigued, and, and then you're going to be protected against being hospitalized and against um, dying from the infection. The what other a- thing I think that's really, sorry, really important to highlight no, is please. we have given in the United States 213 million doses of vaccine so far in the United States alone. I mean, even for us at UI Health, we have given over 105,000 doses of vaccine so far. So, so there's so many people that are getting this that are doing fine. And of course, with the Johnson & Johnson pause, it's something that you have to be um, aware and know that the, the CDC and the Council on Immunization Practice are reviewing. But right now, the data is six people out of 6.8 million people that have gotten the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And I would say my son got the Johnson & Johnson vaccine the week before the pause, and he is fine. And I feel good that he got it and he's protected. Dr. Blisio, what about the people who've had COVID? They're questioning whether they need the vaccine. Do I even need it? They should still get it. And that um, we're finding that there may not be, for those that had it last year, persistent immunity from natural infection. And then, of course, there's also the variant strains. And that the vaccine is um, not 100% effective against all the variant strains, but it may decrease your risk of hospitalization with a variant strain. And so it's really important that even though you had uh, COVID before that you get vaccinated, I, I would recommend it. And I think that's that's important. Again, we know that there's people out there that are that are hesitant. Uh, one of the stories that, that that's going around right now is that um, we've been having some supply and demand issues early on a hell of a lot more demand than supply. The story we're hearing now is more supply than demand. How are you dealing with that in this community? Well, I think what's really important is, yes, all of a sudden we have gotten more vaccine. The city has gotten more vaccine. The state has gotten more vaccine because now we have have been able to have enough manufactured. And we're at a critical point this week across the country. And for us a week ago, um, we opened up to 16 and over. So it's really anybody, regardless of your risk factors. So I think it's really important that we get it out there. The good thing is that in Chicago, it looks like 40% of people have at least gotten one dose, so gotten started. I think the, the important part, though, I think is that people think, oh, well, I don't necessarily need it. Maybe I'm younger. But it's really important to get people protected, even if they're not at risk for hospitalization or death, because if we can get more people vaccinated, it will slow transmission and it will stop this overall increase that we're having. And then as we head into the summer months and we can do things outside, I think we might be able to get ahead of this if we get enough community protection with vaccine. And and we keep up our guard until we get past um, enough immunity 
then we, we should get ahead of this and we'll maybe be able to get into the fall and the winter in a more normal fashion. She's Dr. Susan Bleasdale, University of Illinois infectious disease expert. What is that number? Is it a percentage or th- that you feel when we're, we're going to be protected? Is, it, is that the herd immunity we hear talk about? It is, and I would say I'm not a big fan of herd immunity. I really okay. like community immunity All or right. community protection because I don't think anybody likes to, to think of it as, <laughs> us as a herd. As a part of a herd. Um, I think yeah. of a cow. Yes, but what we need is we need community protection, right? And so we need all of us to be um, protected as much as possible. 100% would be great, but really we're looking at probably around 70%. And that we've we've seen is in Chicago, we've gotten 63% of those 65 and older vaccinated, and we're seeing the hospitalizations and deaths in those 65 and older going down already. And so I think that, that, that that's what we need, and that's why we need as as um, you know, our young people are um, able to do more activities, we need to get them vaccinated so we can slow some of that transmission. But if we don't hit that number, will the people who've been fully vaccinated be okay? Yeah, you know, they will be protected. Um, I think the, the issue is, is, is if we have ongoing transmission and we have some of these variant strains take hold and um, increase in numbers, it, it increases the likelihood that we're going to need a, a booster and it increases the likelihood that this is going to kind of stay with us. And that I, you know, it's not, not clear right now, are we going to need an, an every year COVID-19 um, booster shot like we do with the influenza shot? Um, I don't know, but I think if we don't get more community protection, we're going to have these variant strains that the vaccine may not be as effective against, and um, and we're going to need additional additional time and additional precautions of keeping our masks and keeping our distance longer. Certainly a concern, and we thank you very much for your time today, Dr. Bleasdale. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. She's Dr. Susan Bleasdale, University of Illinois infectious disease expert on some of the hesitancy and and what it's not herd immunity community community immu- community immunity. Oh, I like oh my that. gosh, am I going to have to say that now every time? Like yeah, restaurateur? community immunity, community immunity. The Chauvin trial. A um, I don't want to speak for everyone else. Collective sigh of relief is kind of what it felt like. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm here in downtown when the verdict came down. I'm looking out my window. I see some of the salt trucks. Pre, pre-positioned, if you will, you know, some of the dump trucks that uh, we heard they might use to block streets or, or whatnot. Uh, thankfully, no need for them, right? Yeah. Thankfully, oh, yeah. uh, a, a positive vibe all the way around. And joining us right now is uh, community activist Tio Hardiman. And we've uh, had a chance to talk to Tio about this and some other issues in the past. Tio, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Oh, yeah, good to be here once again with you on the, on the show this morning. Yeah, so, T.O., uh, I want to give you a chance to to react. You, I'm sure, you, like everyone else, you were paying attention. You hear the verdict, guilty, guilty, guilty. What was your reaction? Well, you know, my thing, I, I never had any doubt that uh, the officer would, would, would be uh, convicted of, uh, you know, all charges, basically. I thought wow. he might just get convicted of second-degree murder, but all charges kind of surprised me. Uh, and I say that because, you know, uh, George Floyd was actually, you know, you know, killed. You know, you know the officer zapped the life um, out of George Floyd in front of everybody, in front of millions of people. So now in front of millions and millions of people across the entire world, the officer was convicted of uh, three counts of, uh, you know, three counts that he was convicted of. And uh, I had no doubt. Seriously, really? I, I was not even concerned. Yeah, I was not even concerned about it. In today's world, the worst thing a police could ever do 
is what uh, Officer Chauvin did to George Floyd. And it, it kind of reminds you of back when they used to, you know, have public lynchings of African-American men back in the Jim Crow era, like, wow. you know, like the you know, the post-slave era. It's, it's cra- I mean, really, it's, it's crazy. It was like a public lynching of George Floyd. And, and I'll say this much to everybody, listen, if the other officers had just stepped up and intervened, they would have saved Officer Chauvin's career. Their careers would have been uh, saved and everything. It's like, it's crazy because it appears that Officer Chauvin in particular had no regard. You know, he had his hands in his pocket, one of his hands in his pocket, just had no regards for the man, you know, crying for his mother, saying he couldn't breathe. I mean, you just overlooked it for nine, nine minutes or more. Insane. Really, really insane. No argument there. You know, Teal, though, this is rare, a police officer being convicted of murder. So when you say you had no doubts that, you know, I had this doubts, yeah, I I, you know what? I kind didn't. of didn't either. But <laughs> unlike many black people in America, you think, oh, this is an open and shut case. And then that doesn't happen. So what was it about this case that you knew in your heart it would go this way? Well, because of everything that's going on in America right now, you know, so for so many years, over 100 years, of police, and I'm not saying all police are bad. You know, I'm not against the police. I want to make that clear. Yes, but over 100 years of policing, you know, Cook County is, I'm looking at Cook County for a minute, is, is, was uh, considered the, the most wrongful commit, conviction county in the United States at one time. So with George, I mean, with uh, George Floyd's case, the officer himself, I just never had no doubt in my mind because what was different because of the, all the attention that was brought to this here particular case and the way he was killed. I mean, it took nine-something minutes. And when George Floyd called for his mother, he screamed for his mother. That was the nail in the coffin right there for Officer Chauvin. I, I have to admit that. This man called for his, called for his mother. I just wish somebody would have intervened because uh, if I was there, and I'm, I would never advocate any violence against the police or anybody, but I would have had to do something, run in circles or something to get mm-hmm. that officer's attention to get his knee off that man's neck. Uh, and in most cases, if a person has a drug problem, you let the person sit on the curb for a minute to get their thoughts together, okay? In this situation, they took George to the ground, and the man obviously had some issues, and he was killed. So, yeah. there, therefore, I knew, because, you know, you had the pres- President Biden uh, spoke about it. I mean, you got a, a lot of high-level people sure. speaking about it. And so I knew there was going to be no doubt this guy would be uh, convicted. I, I was surprised about it, all three counts, but I knew he was going to be convicted of uh, second-degree murder. We're talking to uh, Tio Hardiman, a local activist. So, so Tio, I know you've been involved in some some protests and some marches around this and other acts of um, uh, of police brutality, shootings, a variety of different things. Do you do you think this will lead to a change in how police interact with people, how they police certain communities? Are you sensing a, a change in the way police are approaching their job? I think this case here signifies a definite uh, change for in like uh, looking the right direction, so to speak. I believe that police are going to take notice of what happened to one of their comrades. And, uh, and you heard this first from Tio Hart. A lot of people may not want to hear this, but I have to be honest. You know, I teach in the field of, of restorative justice. Maybe a year from now, I would actually pray and I would like to reach out to the Floyd family and ask them to forgive Officer Chauvin. Mm-hmm. A lot of people may not agree with that, but it's about the restorative process of healing and forgiveness. Never forget, we don't forgive the sin, but we forgive the sinner, okay? I'm not religious. I'm more spiritual, but I would love to see them forgive the officer because it's like what happens in life, man, we got to be able to live, you know, uh, the family won a $27 million, you know, like uh, verdict, you know, as far as the funding or whatever, and now uh, he's been convicted. It's time for the uh, healing process to begin. Wow. Tio, you know, sentencing might not be what many people uh, think it should be or want. 
How do you think that's going to go over when, when that part comes up? Well, you know, I did my research. They say that uh, Officer Chauvin might be facing 40 years or better in prison. And uh, there was also some information saying that this case, he may be sentenced in a more harsh way due to all the attention around this particular case. So I, I, I have no doubt, once again, that the sentencing will be very severe for uh, Officer Chauvin. I, I just truly believe that. And then yesterday there was supposed to be a lot of protests or uh, demonstrations, but everything, all the protests turned into celebrations, actually, yeah. in regards to what happened. To the, yeah, that's what happened in Chicago yesterday. Well, I, I think everywhere. I think that we saw that everywhere, that it turned into more of a celebration. And uh, uh, I heard a term, and I wanted to get your reaction to it. Uh, that this was an, about justice. This was about accountability. Do you do you see that this case that way? Yeah, I see it definitely about accountability. And everybody should understand this as well. There have been so many stories of black men in particular being killed by the police, and the police never ever were held accountable. So yeah, this is all about accountability for the whole world to see. I, I guarantee you one thing: a lot of police now may think twice or three times before they actually take a life. Of a of a person that's unarmed or a person in a particular situation, George Floyd was allegedly supposed to be arrested for a counterfeit twenty dollar bill, and he ended up losing his life. And it took nine minutes for this man to just lay there. And, and don't get this statement wrong: even in the wild kingdom, if a lion was to attack a gazelle or whatever, or a cheetah would attack a gazelle, they try to bring an end to the gazelle's life just like that. I mean, it's like you know, it's like in a humane. George Floyd should be here, in other words. That's the point yes, I'm sir. making. It was inhumane what happened to him. It took nine minutes for this man to just lay on the ground, and everybody you know, saw what happened to George Floyd. That's what made this case a slam dunk. Uh, there, you know, if I was Officer Chauvin, I would have played guilty right from the onset. I would just played guilty. Mm. Tio, thank you for your time today. We appreciate it. Okay, and thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it so much. Yeah, that's Tio Hardiman, a community activist, getting his reaction to the, to the Chauvin case. Bruce, Judy, and Cheese joining you for your Wednesday morning. I'm going to take you guys into the way, way back machine only because I remember this and I don't know why. When I used to go to airports, and this was a while ago, see if anybody else remembers this. There was always a sign up. This is pre-TSA, okay? Mm-hmm. There was a sign that said, the U.S. State Department recommends you avoid travel too and then you could like add things to it a little sign and it always was like lagos nigeria was always on there and i'm like it was the only thing ever on there i'm like <laughs> lagos and and even as like a young person a kid i was like i don't know what's going on in lagos nigeria but i they yeah. put a sign up at the bleeping airport right, we can't go there in tucson that i shouldn't go there okay it seems like a world away there aren't a lot of direct flights but i won't go to lagos yeah. I bring that up because uh, recently, and you may be aware of, that we have certain countries that they suggest you not go to. Many of them, don't worry, they weren't going to let you in anyway. But we've got like this tiered level. Level four, DEFCON four, are countries you should never visit. North Korea. Okay. I can understand them being on the list. Afghanistan is on the DEFCON 4, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Because it's been in a perpetual state of war for, uh, let's see, carry the three, 3,000 years. Yeah. But the State Department just expanded its do not travel DEFCON 4 advisory to, just imagine them taking a Sharpie out, everywhere else on the planet. Literally 80% of the countries are on the do not travel list. Yeah, for some reason, though, the Caribbean places uh, have been... Don't need to tell me twice. Let's go. Wow. Yeah, right? But Europe, forget it. Here I come. Yeah. 
um, not all of them, but some of them have been doing well. And maybe because they're islands and they're we hit people haven't been traveling. It's better to con- you know easier to contain it. Yeah. Um, as we know, there's been a resurgence in a lot of countries. That's the problem. Yeah. And not not only a resurgence of COVID, but coming back with a vengeance. Well, these are these variants we hear about, right? right? These mutations, or what? That sounds scarier. Yeah. Uh, Brazil is uniquely bad right now. India. India, terrible. And you know, a lot of business in India. So we don't know what effect that's having. I mean, people were just starting to kind of travel again and work-wise. And now that's, yeah, you don't really want to go to India right now. It looks bad. So, again, basically the idea is you could barely go anywhere. Oh, domestic. frustrating. Yeah. I get 160 different countries that you're... (laughs) So, now, how does this affect the Olympics? I know. I was just thinking about that. I got to tell you, it because it, guess what? Japan's on the list. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to pull off the Olympics. I don't know how. If they're not going to let people in. Well, Japan might let you in. But, I mean, we're getting to the point now where you've got government or health experts saying, I wouldn't go there. Right. Yeah. You might not want to go. I wouldn't and go there if some, I were you. they might if not let you, you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then we get into different countries having different rules for entry, not necessarily for exit, I guess, just for entry, which gets back to vaccination. Oh, and we learned a term earlier, didn't we? We were talking to Dr. Susan Bleasdale with the University of Illinois infectious disease expert. She doesn't like the term herd immunity. Because she thinks it sounds too agrarian. Yeah. It's, it sounds too much like a flock of cows. A herd, yeah. Animals. So we're going to go to community immunity. Say that three times. And it Fast. rhymes. It's an alliteration. I like it, yeah. Know with that. we got to yeah. work that into a rap song. Yeah, community oh, immunity. community. By the way, Japan has uh, will be declaring a state of emergency in Tokyo amid the pre-Olympics. Yeah. COVID surge, so. Yeah. Not looking too good. Hmm. So, will we ever get to community immunity? The number I keep hearing is 70%. We're at 50% of adults have received at least one vaccine right now. When you add in all the maggots, once we, once we okay it for those under 16, you're going to have a, another percentage in there that you will need for community immunity. I got to learn how to say that. Yeah. That's my default. Are we ever going to get to that? Experts increasingly are saying no. Probably not. Yeah. So now we're we're pivoting and uh even Dr. Fauci, you know, the nation's top infectious disease doctor isn't really talking about that anymore. He's saying rather than concentrating on an elusive number, let's get as many people vaccinated as quickly as possible. I, listen, I, I appreciate that they acknowledge reality because yeah. I, I, I worry that too often the scientists and the doctors are so one minded based, in, based yeah. in hard numbers. Right. Absolutely. That they ignore the, the reality of the world around them at times. Yeah, no, Fauci's obviously not doing that because, uh, you know, they're saying about a quarter of Americans might not want to be immunized. Right. So that throws out the community immunity. There's going to have to be like a, we're going to need a day, aren't we? We're going to need a line in the sand. Because we're, we're at the point now, here in Illinois, if you want to get a vaccine today, 
you could probably get one. You might have to drive a little ways. Certainly, you get out in more of the rural areas. You get into southern Illinois. What they're saying is, we have more doses than we have people signed up to get them. Yeah. Which leads me to believe everybody that wants one is getting one. Right. And that the fact they have more doses is because they have enough that is uh, commensurate with their population. And that percentage of the population just doesn't want it. Well, and we have more vaccine. Let's face it. Now it's, it's open. They've been cranking it's, it out. Yeah, Absolutely. they've been cranking it out. So now but we're we not making either. more than people. Right. You see, my point is uh, that we're, we're making uh, and you're getting it based on your population. So if you have enough for your town or your county. And it's sitting there every day going and it's to waste. There. Yeah. I, um, I mean, again, let's let's acknowledge the reality. I don't think they're coming. Yeah. Or they need a different selling point. Yeah. I think they will come. I think we the next few weeks will be telling. I think a lot okay. more people will be vaccinated. Why? But why, just, why in the next few weeks are people going to change Because their I think people were just waiting their turn. They were just, you know, they weren't like me and wanting to get that. For you whatever. were desperate to get well, that. Well, and because I knew I was going away for spring break. I mean, I knew I had things. I just, yeah, I, I wanted to feel better. And you went I to want, Alabama where there's a spike yeah, right now Alabama. in Alabama. Yeah. I blame you, but that's another well, thing. I, you were there I'm two sorry, weeks ago. I'm sorry, did you not saying. see me with my mask on in the pool? <laughs> I don't think you could be blaming me. You were the only one. Yeah, but I can tell you uh, nobody was wearing a mask in Alabama. So, or, or socially distancing. It was business as usual. Um, but I just, I feel that people, you know, we just, it just opened to everyone, right? It just opened to everyone. And there were people who weren't in a rush to get it. See, I don't think it's not that they weren't. I think it's laziness. Oh, really? People are just lazy. I don't want to go get it. And right. I no drive one's contacted here. me to get it. Yeah. That's what I've been hearing. Yeah. I'm like, no if one's going to contact you. If they yeah. knock on the door. I'll, I'll take, take it. it. Okay. Yeah. I'll I roll my Is there a kiosk at the mall? I mean, yeah, exactly. That yeah. is a good point. So now that they're hearing, get your vaccine. Or now, actually, Walgreens, your doctor, maybe they will email you now or call you. Yeah. Hey, can I, can I tell you that? You remember when, let's go in the way, way back machine, March. Oh, that's too far. I, uh, we all signed, we signed up on that. Site they told us to sign Zoc, up on. Zoc, Doc. Thank you, yeah. Zoc Doc. Yeah. I signed up. I put all my. I have never heard anything back from Zoc. <laughs> That's what everyone says about that site. I have Doc. never heard a peep back from. I'm fully You're on the list, though. I'm You're on yeah, the list. don't worry. They're going to call list. you don't soon. Worry about it. So yeah. you think maybe, so maybe that's true. Maybe ZocDoc needs to start sending out some bleeping emails. Right. <laughs> I mean, I have to say the DuPage County Health Department, they emailed me like once a week. Remember, I'd read the emails. Yeah. We haven't forgotten about you. Now they, I went off their list once I went rogue on the uh, the rogue. vaccine and got it myself. <laughs> she went rogue. Yeah. So I just feel like in the next few weeks, yeah. and you're right, either we're going to see a surge. Or there's going to be a bunch of vaccines sitting right, around in a Walgreens yep. with nobody if to put it in. we don't see a surge, I think we know where it's going. Five years ago today, we lost an icon. It's the anniversary of the day that we lost Prince. Wow. Five years ago today. You're going to have to go over it someday. Jeez. Whoa! That's five years. Okay. Seems like it was yesterday. Mm. Harsh. Yeah. Community immunity. Doctors say it's important to slow the spread and get back to the old normal, but will we, Bruce? Hmm. We, 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 we shall find out, won't we? Hey, joining us right now is Professor Eric Johnson. Uh, Professor Johnson, good morning to you. Good morning, Bruce. Judy and I uh, and Cheese, we all have our thinking caps on. We're looking to get a good grade today. All right. So uh, just uh, I, if I, had, I if I had an apple, yep, I'd give it to you, just yep. so you know. Um, 
God knows I need the help. But um, so we're we're we've seen a lot of reaction to the the Chauvin verdict, and and I got to tell you, I was count me as one who was slightly surprised that they came back guilty on all three counts. You know, we had talked before uh, with you about kind of the high bar that that second degree charge was. Were you surprised that the jury took roughly, what, 11 hours, 10 and a half hours to come back with a guilty on all counts verdict? No, I mean, I didn't follow every moment of the trial, but it did seem to me like the evidence was pretty clear cut. And and I fully expected when when the time came, I was sitting with my family yesterday watching the verdict announced, and I fully expected it to come down the way that it did. So... Uh, no, I wasn't. I wasn't really surprised. I thought. I thought the felony murder, the second degree murder, was pretty straightforward. Um, and likewise, uh, the, what what we call it, the prey part murder, the third degree murder, prey seemed part, yeah. seemed in, 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 appropriate. Yeah. Um, as a bystander to you know everything, I I had a a problem understanding. I guess fully those degrees. You know, I'm just used to murder. Sure attempted murder, whatever, but like you, I, I didn't have a problem with the verdict. It seemed like the fair verdict. There are those, though, that were surprised that he was found guilty on all three counts. Were you? No, I mean, I, I guess the, the felony murder, in a way, was sort of the easiest because all they needed to decide was that he had had the intent to assault, that he had the intent to inflict bodily injury on George Floyd. And once they found that intent, then under the felony murder rule, that's going to trigger liability under second-degree murder for any death that's caused in the course of commission of that felony, right? And so in a way, that was the most straightforward. The depraved part, you know, in talking to my students about this, I thought there was a little more doubt about the depraved part murder, just whether it involved this sort of extreme recklessness. But my feeling after watching the trial was, you know, I was waiting, you know, I was wondering if he was going to take the stand and explain why he was doing what he did. And, and when he didn't, I, I just sort of felt like, Boy, this this looks like extreme recklessness to me. So, as again, as a law professor, as someone who understands this, even I know you're not a practicing, you know, attorney in that sense. You're not doing criminal law. Would you have Would you have wanted him to take the stand? Was there a Was there a win? Do you think that at that point in the trial, the defense should have realized we got to put him up there? You know, I just don't know. I mean, it's just I've never heard him speak, right? I've never seen – I have no idea what kind of a witness he would have been. My mm-hmm. feeling was that it seemed like such a foregone conclusion that they were going to convict him that that seemed like – it seemed like it was worth rolling the dice, right, and, and putting him on there and seeing if he could uh, evoke some sympathy in the jury um, – but he, I, I, his, I, he, he seemed to be represented by an excellent lawyer who, who you know, I, I thought seemed like uh, an, an effective advocate. So I don't well, want to competent. sound like I'm second guess. I and I, I, I've been a prosecutor. I've never been a defense lawyer, so right. I don't know what goes into that decision. Got it. Now, what about the sentencing? Any feelings about how that might go down? Yeah, well, and, and by the way, can you help me ex- understand a little bit of the sentencing? I know there's certain guidelines that the judge would go by, and and this being his first offense, how will that weigh into it? So the maximum sentences for the for for the second degree murder, it's forty years. For the for the third degree murder, it's twenty five, and then for the manslaughter, it's ten years. But on the first two counts, the second and third degree murder, the guideline sentence. So in, in Minnesota, as in a number of other jurisdictions, judges are, uh, their discretion is constrained 
by the sentencing guidelines. Uh, and uh, the, the sentencing guidelines say that with respect to a first offender convicted of either the, either the second-degree murder or the third-degree murder, the, guide, the, the standard middle-of-the-road sentence for that offender is going to be 12 and a half years, I think. Um, and so uh, that would be sort of the, the standard. On the other hand, the judge gets to consider whether or not there are these aggravating factors. And the, the prosecution has already served notice, apparently, that they plan to uh, argue that there are some aggravating factors, including the fact that he was abusing a position of trust, which I find very compelling. I mean, I, what, one of the things that's most troubling about this case is the fact, you know, he, he's he's responsible for taking care of us, right? And, 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 you know, not only did he do something bad, he sort of abused that position of trust. We put him in that position and and he he sort of uh, took advantage of it in a way. And so so it does seem to me that the prosecution's got some good arguments for this being an, an aggravated uh, crime, which could lead to a, a substantially higher sentence. Wow. And that abuse of power, when you think about it, nobody stepped in, I think, because it was a police officer, right? Like, right. you would exactly. hope that you would help someone who was literally dying before your eyes, but it was a police officer. So that, to me, is even more egregious. I exactly right. I think I think as we as we think about it and think about, you know, what made this distinctive, what made this different from just an ordinary person on the street assaulting someone and holding him down on the ground? It's that, you know, people were looking at him like, well, he must. I mean, granted, they were very concerned about what was happening, but there was a degree of, you know, he's he's in this position of authority. He's he presumably knows what he's doing. And and. So exactly, I think that's exactly right. He was really, he was really the the victim. The, another aggravating factor is the victim was particularly vulnerable, and that's true here too, uh, because of his vulnerability, because he's he's you know being held down by a police officers, he's under arrest. I think at that point he was in handcuffs, and so uh, it does seem like this is there's a pretty good argument for this being a particularly aggravated offense, and so that would lead to a sentence you know in excess of that twelve and a half year guideline sentence. Wow. Uh, Professor Johnson, thank you so much for your time today. We certainly appreciate your help in understanding this and digging into some of the legal aspects of it. We're all smarter because of it. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Outstanding. You get an A, Professor. Ah, yes, <laughs> that's Professor Eric Johnson. Well, and here's something I, I, I'm curious, because I don't think there's an answer to this. We know there are three other Minneapolis police officers. Their, their trial's coming up next month. Yeah, aiding yeah. and abetting, I think, is pretty much what they're charged with. Will the Chauvin verdict, I mean, if you're one of those officers, you got to be looking at this going, good grief. Yeah. yeah. I give mean, me, give me the plea deal. I, we got, yeah. I'm just, I mean, does it help or hurt him? It seems like it would hurt him to me. Yeah. That, Especially who, when you saw a video of people going, hey, hey, and they're trying to say something, and, they're, and they're, right. those if, guys if, are pushing it back. If Chauvin like, stop, was stop, guilty... Stop. How are they not guilty. guilty for the for the charge of you didn't step in and do something? Yeah, like how do you? People, how would you yeah. be able to separate? When you those had that two little things? girl saying, "Get off of him." Yeah. That yeah. Why yeah. didn't the? Yeah. Well, you're going to have the same people testifying. You're going to have the eyewitnesses. Yeah. You're going to have that. The, I would the firefighter saying, "I tried to intervene. I told them he needed medical help," and and they're going to say, "Yeah, yeah, we just kind of stood there." Yeah. I mean, I'd. I'd be shocked if they they weren't pleased in those. Three cases. You would think yeah, that they, might, they, that they might not want to go to trial. Mm. And uh, I think having seen yeah, this one, right, right, having seen the. But like um, you said, Judy, and I think it's it's an important point to make. Our 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 juries' mindsets changing as the as the overall population mindset goes towards 
always believing the police are right. Because I think that's dangerous. Two, we're willing to consider a police officer made right. a mistake. Because for a long time, that was never a consideration. The don't officer forget. just had to go in and go, uh, I feared for my life. Oh, okay, okay you're good. Yeah. Right. You can leave now. And don't forget, it's a jury of our of your peers. peers. Yeah. It's it's us. There's That's, a mindset change. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Hey, good morning to you. Happy Wednesday. It's Bruce, Judy, and Cheese. Can we just acknowledge, or is this something you guys all know already? The weather is schizophrenic. <laughs> <laughs> That was weird, what we just saw. We just had a snow that squall. That was the best. Yeah, that was definitely a squall. Like, Pat Brady, you were sitting there all intent, and I pointed back you to pointed, look. and I'm like, oh my yeah. God, what's over my shoulder? <laughs> a snowstorm. A snowstorm. It was snowing ah! furiously. I mean, it was <laughs> coming down. And you realize, next week, Tuesday? 78. 78 Woo! degrees. That is ridiculous. Yeah. You, I, if you guys think this is normal... <laughs> I just am here to tell you, this is that's it, not normal. This is what happens. Now it's going to be 80. We're going to forget all about the snow today. Then it'll snow the week after. It's the moment. Yeah, it'll totally be warm will. again. Still got May. Just, Still got May to go. We keep forgetting. Oh, I just don't understand any of this. I'm so very confused. It's just like Groundhog Day. We just, okay, yeah, did it snow? Because now it's sunny. Again, I just don't know how to dress. Yeah. I cannot figure yeah. it out. Now you know. I'm going to have to bring in like a whole series of clothes we here. Can't just can't home. Yeah, just yeah. keep them here. Right? Like, what am I wearing here? Lodges. A different one I wear home. Everybody yeah, galoshes. galoshes. If you just get galoshes, a lot of your problems will Listen, be Listen, this weekend is going to be a good weekend to get out and about, right? Maybe enjoy some of the wonderful local restaurants and have a great view. Judy. It's exactly where we're going right now. Let me take you to Water's Edge at the Hyatt Lodge Oak Brook. And joining us right now, well, he's the big cheese over there, the GM, Robert Brand. Good morning, Robert. Good morning. It's great to have you on here. Judy, I'm going to let you start because you are passionate, passionate about Water's Edge. Robert, I've been there. Been there, done that. It is absolutely gorgeous. It is. Thanks for having me this morning. Yeah, I'm sure you have really good food, but really, who cares? Because it's the views. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I've had the food. I mean, but sitting out on that deck and, oh, my goodness. Why don't you just, first of all, just describe, you know, the ambiance of your place. Yeah, it's really breathtaking. You hit it on the head there. Um, you know, it used to be the McDonald's campus. Uh, we've got new ownership, new management in here. Um, and as you said, the lake is pretty much the highlight of the campus. Uh, we actually have two lakes connected by a small creek. Um, and the river um, that connects to both of them, and then there's the patio, just a huge patio um, that sits literally on the water, seats about 80 people. Um, it's actually two decks. Um, and it's just breathtaking. The menu is fantastic. Uh, Chef Joshua Carther has done some great things. Um, you know, everything from a crispy chicken sandwich up to steak fritz. Um, there's a wonderful salmon uh, salad as well. Just really anything you might want. Um, as you mentioned, you can, you can have it on the water. And Robert, I mean, being connected to a hotel, I mean, what has this last year looked like for you guys? Yeah, it's been rough. You know, it's a common story out there for our industry, um, but we're coming out of it now. It's It feels fantastic. We're filling up on the weekends, uh, okay. and the restaurant's got a lot of people in it. I'm glad to hear that. I mean, I think that's what everybody's hoping for, is that some sort of return to normalcy, whatever that might be, right? Right, right. <laughs> and I, I get it that, you know, the people at the hotel, of course, are going to go to this fabulous restaurant when they see it. But, um, you know... I've often thought that it's so well hidden, right? That do do people even know about it? 
They don't, you know, and that's that's part of the effort here. It used to be McDonald's campus, as I mentioned, and it was private. Um, there used to be security guards at the gate, so you couldn't even get in here unless you worked for McDonald's. So that was like the McDonald's U. That was their big campus. That's it. Yeah, yeah there was a conference center, and it was uh, it was the real deal for McDonald's. Wow. Interesting. So we must have had to make reservations or when we were staying at the hotel we went because I know I definitely have been there several times. So your That's patio right. now, we we would go and just kind of have drinks in the patio. But Drinks? You? I know. It's shocking, <laughs> right? Shocked. have really good drinks. Shocked, I tell you. <laughs> but now I'm assuming, Robert, you're you know doing dinner on, and lunch and dinner on the patio as well. Everything. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Or breakfast. And um you know, what's really exciting as we come out of this thing is we've got our Mother's Day brunch coming up. Oh. And then we launched our winemakers dinner series. Uh, May 20th, we have Mark Mondavi, one of two brothers running the operation out in Napa Valley right sure. now, coming here uh, to pour through the Charles Krug lineup uh, of wine. So some really great things coming up. Absolutely, especially for you wine aficionados. Oh, yeah, Judy, Mondavi. sit on the patio, oh. view of the lake. Wine. With the Mondavi. With the Mondavi. That yeah. is awesome. Or I want to hear more about the Mother's Day brunch too. Yeah, what does brunch look like? I've got to believe I gotta believe that the, things had to change a little. You had to what pivot. Is that what we keep pivot, hearing right. people say? Pivot. We're talking pivot. to Robert Brand again at Water's Edge over at the Hyatt Lodge Oak Brook. What does a brunch look like these days? You know, it's um it's it's the menu, and then we've got some special items on there coming up. We've got $3 mimosas. Um, we're really trying to put it all out there for moms. There you go. Yeah, okay, you had me at mimosa, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So there's no more omelet bar? There's no more, no, like, right. Right. Yeah, you can't it. have yeah. a buffet. Nobody can do buffets anymore, right? Yeah. I don't think not yet, so. Not yet, not yet. Not yet. Uh, yeah, but we'll, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll go back to it. So, And are, are you open, so you said breakfast, lunch, and dinner, so you're open every day, seven days a week, and... You know, right now we're open five days a week, Wednesday through Sunday, but I think very shortly we'll be open seven days a week. Outstanding. Well, we wish you the best of luck, and we thank you so much for joining us today. And, uh, uh, yeah, if you see a woman, a blonde, <laughs> sitting on your patio with her, like her feet up on the railing with a glass of wine, go up and introduce yourself. Say hi, Judy. Yeah. Twelve mimosas <laughs> deep. Oh, dude, I will so be there. Introduce I yourself, love Robert. That place. All right. Thank you so Thanks, much for Robert. your time today. Thank you. That is uh, Robert Brand. He's the general manager over there at uh, the beautiful Water's Edge yeah. at the Hyatt Lodge Oak Brook. I think it's interesting. Listen, well, as a McDonald's aficionado, right. like this is the old McDonald's campus. I used to hear about this. Uh, the McDonald's, oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the meetings and all the, yeah, the so big, big, big private there. McDonald's mm -hmm. piece. Yeah, now it's downtown, and they have that uh, World Kitchen. Yeah, they have a McDonald's World Kitchen where they try out. Different items that are around the world mm -hmm. at the McDonald's University here. It's pretty amazing. Spaghetti, which is very popular at the McDonald's in the Philippines. Yeah, I mean, wow. just yeah. weird stuff like that. You literally need to get out more often. It's very I mean, cool. Yeah. Right? you got to right. be invited, but yeah, it's very cool once you go there. But uh, thanks again to to Robert Brand, uh, and uh, we wish you the best of luck. Yeah, and, and the, Judy, big, the can... biggest problem is getting is getting there because it's it's very well hidden. And as he said, you got to know where you're going. You, and there used to be a guard, but if you're staying at the hotel, of course, right. they let you in if you had a reservation. But yeah, you have I to like know guards. where you're going, and it's totally worth the trip. Yeah, it's like a little hidden gem. Oh, it's okay. breathtaking. Absolutely. And in the fall with the colors, because it's a very wooded, yeah, it's it got like the lake, it. but it's absolutely gorgeous. Well, we, we call this part of the show. Yes. Great excuse to get out and about. That's 70-plus degree weather next week.
Mike, next Tuesday. Yeah, I might yeah. have to go yeah. there. There you go. And leg warmers. Ooh, there you go. It's Bruce, Judy, and Cheese. I've just given up on the weather. It's just kind of weird. It seems to be happening just right here, too. I'm going to stop looking out the window. It's just, (laughs) I, because I, yeah. It's giving me anxiety. Yeah, totally it is. Okay. So, do you remember that after the Adam Toledo incident, we heard talk of, and I admit that I wasn't aware of it, that we needed a, a change in the Chicago Police Department foot pursuit policy. First off, I didn't know there was one. When you went to look up what is the foot pursuit policy of the Chicago police, it was really hard to find. It was very vague, this, that, and the other. But we're now getting maybe uh, some of the details of what exactly a foot pursuit policy would look like when it comes to the city of Chicago. What if I told you that according to An alderman who says he has spoken with the mayor and her people that that foot pursuit policy would involve a very similar set of rules to a car chase. If you want to, if Chicago police wants to chase a suspect in a car, they have to get permission from a supervisor. Yeah. That's a relatively new thing. So play this out. (laughs) You pull up on the scene. We can use the Adam Toledo scene. Shots fired. Shot spotter picks it up. Two guys. Video shows them shooting a gun. They take off running. Chicago police has to call a supervisor. (laughs) Can I chase the guys running with a gun? Well, and then... Are they, are they going to call while they're chasing them? Are they no, going to stop? you have to call before you chase. chase? Yeah, Which they have to I be would say, out. If, I, if, if, if I understand that correctly, will be the end of police chases. Yeah. Well, if you have to call and get permission to chase somebody, I, it's ridiculous. Well, that's what's, happening with, that's what's happening with police chases. We're seeing more vehicles fleeing from officers because word's gotten out that they probably won't get permission to chase us. So, or if they, by the time they do, yeah, we're gone. You've gone we're long gone. Yeah, yeah, long gone. And 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 listen, I, I think there's. I mean, a if common... you're driving long gone, for me, they Thank could you. probably catch up to They'd me. They'd still in a block. catch up to you, yeah, because yeah. you'd be stopping. <laughs> but I mean, if you're pee a couple times, you're gonna pull over. <laughs> if, it's, if it's criminals in a car, they're gonna take off. They're not gonna be waiting. Let's see what they're gonna do. So here's the thing. I think there is a a, a misconception that. In some of these communities, let's call them what they are, South Side, West Side, in some of these, that they don't want policing. I don't believe that's true whatsoever. I don't think that the people that were at 2.30 in the morning, when there's some guy outside your house shooting at cars or shooting in the air, they're calling the police too. They don't want these people in their neighborhood. They don't want to become the next victim. They don't want... People to stand on street corners shooting guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be sitting in their in your living, living room, room and right? get shot. And all of a sudden, nobody wants yeah. gangs. Nobody wants to live in a gang infested. But how do you, how on God's green earth does it solve any problem whatsoever by handcuffing? Literally, almost at this point, Chicago police, where they can't engage in a foot pursuit unless you call and ask for permission. It defeats the purpose of 
the entire chasing after somebody that you think is a suspect. You've got probable cause. You have reason to believe. You're trying to apprehend them in some way, shape, or form. You want to ask them questions, whatever it might be. And we now live in a world where people run from police. Why wouldn't you? Almost every case why is someone resisting point? or running. But with the, if, you, if you implement this policy... Whether you're in a car or on fo- why wouldn't you? Right. I mean, right now, I wouldn't run from police, but apparently criminals or suspected criminals, that's what they do. They run from police. And you can't chase them. And the, and the, the new foot chase policy, at least the one being bandied about right now, according to Alderman. Well, but the mayor did comment on that part of it, saying, you know, now with police chases, cars know, and they... And she said she's aware of that. She understands that. and Right, but she can know. be aware of it, but it's still the well, policy when it comes to car She chases. says we can't live in that world either. So she's taking mm. that into consideration. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what, what it, all, it looks like at the end. Doesn't it all come down to a judgment call? It all comes down to a judgment call on the part of law enforcement. I mean, and this is me supporting them. And that they have to make a judgment call sometimes in eight-tenths of a second, we know. Yeah. Sometimes in less than that, mm-hmm. as to whether you're going to pursue somebody, whether you're going to pull out a gun. What, we, you, you, we have to trust on some level them to make those decisions. Right. Because my concern is, you start instituting policies like this, cops will just never get out of their car. Right. Why bother? And I mean, you, it seems like it would have to be when you see a weapon. That would should be your clue that you should chase. You mean like if, in the Adam Toledo right. one? Right. If you do if there's, there's no imminent danger, well, you know. If How you, do you determine if, that? Well, maybe if the call was some kid ran in and stole a candy bar, okay, and he's not armed, and you see the kid and he runs, maybe that's where you don't run. It's going to be a run on candy bars, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know where that place is, where they're not going to chase me if, if I take or, a candy I, bar. This is the one I love, too. How about if you don't... I mean, I'm surprised some of these officers could even run. What happened to the training? Ooh, Come on. That was Judy. That was that a was shot. Judy. Well, that was a shot. It's right. crazy, kind of. I, I worry about. more for the officers sometimes than I do I, for listen, the defenders. There is something to be said for them yeah. Yeah, running around a and corner and running And that's another one. If you're you as the officer, if you're you could be killed... No, don't do it. I mean, so again, they, just never get out of your car. That'll change well, policing in a lot of ways. I'll tell well, you that. I think we need to see what they come up with. It might be one of the reasons why you think we're going to heck in a handbasket. Don't worry. Judy says she can restore your faith in humanity. All righty. Would you exchange $10,000 cash for a jar of applesauce? Well, unless the golden delicious apples contain chunks of real gold, probably not. But... <laughs> That is the reward that one Washington State man received for returning ten grand he found. Now, Michael King had just taken the money out from the bank to cover a business debt he owed. For whatever reason, he was so distracted, he accidentally left his wallet on his vehicle before he cranked up the engine and he drove away. Mm. Meantime, Steve Harrison, who was heading in the opposite direction, noticed something floating in the breeze. Quickly realizing it was cash, he pulled over. He snatched it all up. All $10,003 of it. He found King's wallet as well. He says he never took seriously the notion of keeping it. It's just simpler, he says, to do the right thing. So when the two met, retired painting contractor King was not able to give Harrison a financial reward. Instead, he swapped the found funds for a jar of homemade applesauce, which he told Harrison was made with love and care by his family. So King isn't stopping there with his gratitude He's told Harrison he can expect some home-smoked salmon, some homemade blackberry jam, many more tasty treats in his future. That's Sweet, outstanding, right? right? 
Good for you, Judy. Restoring well, our faith for, in humanity. Good for um, <laughs> King. He got his money back. Yeah. There is that. But can you imagine 10 cash? You, someone, anyone could have walked away with it. Absolutely. Just walk away and never look back. Many nope. people would, sadly. But some people don't. Some good folks out there reminding us of that, restoring your faith in humanity. Hey, Judy and I uh, appreciate all the work that MG and his posse do over there in Mission Control. They hit all the buttons to make things work. Also, our infant producer, Miranda, she's sitting on the other side of the double pain bulletproof class doing all of her work over there. Thank you. DJ Cheese, he's on the ones and twos. Thank you, sir. And we've got Nick Gale sticking around with all of the news, traffic, weather. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. It's nope, sunny. sunny not, it's back to sunny. Yeah. Sunny, sunny and clear, <laughs> actually. Grief. Anyway, he's got all that and more coming up on 890 WLS.